1: Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 107 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Buschatz, and this is the show for August 2022. I am absolutely delighted to have my best podcasting friend in the world on as my guest here. Allison. welcome aboard. Hey, Bart, this
0: is uh, fun on the flip side here with you.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm so often on your shows, it's really nice to have you here and your timing could not be better because I just recently recorded a show about the death of the traditional SLR camera and one of the things, you know, the future is mirrorless, all hail the future and then you went on holidays to Iceland with a mirrorless camera and I was like, well, I know who (laughs) I want to talk to.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll decide whether it was successful or not when we're done, right?
1: Well, that is that is a fair point, because to me, it's all hypothetical. I have never I have never owned a mirrorless camera. I have owned DSLRs, and I now do all of my shooting on an iPhone, but I, I have never owned anything in between. So this is a world uh. I don't know of, and I will get there, because when my Nikon gives up, what am I going to do for, like, you know, the occasions I'm going to do really fancy stuff? I'm going to need some sort of big boy camera. So I guess right. I'm going to be following you, which is really interesting because I'm pretty sure you convinced me to buy my first ever DSLR. I'm pretty sure it was you put me onto the Nikon D40.
0: Really? Okay, yeah. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so uh, when I went from the, I had a Minolta X700 was my original film SLR and uh, used that for, it's amazing how long things lasted back then. I probably owned it for 15 years, but then as soon as I got the D40, then I started buying more cameras. But those were your fault. The follow-ons were both from yeah, you. Yeah,
1: yeah, you you got me started, <laughs> but then I, I cost you a lot of money after that.
0: Right, but the D40, I think we, we had an interesting meeting of the minds because when the uh, DSLRs first came out, I went around picking them up in stores and all I could think of was, oh, heavy, so big. And it's so heavy and it doesn't fit in my hand. And the cannons in particular felt like I was picking up a brick. I couldn't stand it. And then one day I picked up the Nikon D40 and I went, Oh, that fits in my hand. And I ended up buying it. And many years later, read an article where they were talking about companies that were starting to build things for women sized hands. and, And, and not just to make things pink, but for oh, good. for girls, but to actually make them more practical for females. And so I had picked up the exact camera that was on the list. They said the Nikon D40 was one of the things that was designed to feel better in a woman's hand. So uh, you have smaller hands, you buy a smaller yeah. watch and it, it fit better for you as well, right?
1: Right. But that was only half of the reason I went for it. So I was convinced I wanted the Canon and then I borrowed one. It didn't mm. feel good in the hand. I definitely will admit that. But you know what felt even worse was the UI. It, oh, okay. It, oh, so clunky. And then I picked up a Nikon, and it had like sensible menus and icons and things. I was like, okay, this is my camera.
0: It, it's, it's.
1: <laughs> I mean, I won't say it's quite like an iPhone. It did have some buttons, but compared to the Canon, it had very, very few buttons and a good menu system.
0: Okay. Okay. You know, I ended up going forward into a couple of other Nikons, the D5100 and the D5500. When I went mirrorless, I started with the Olympus OMD EM10, and then I went on to the EM5 Mark three. I know we're not a gear show, right? But so, as you go forward, I would be talking more to uh, Antonio Rosario about the Fuji line than I would Olympus today, just because of the way things have evolved with Olympus, but in particular. There are are a lot more physical controls on it for the things you're used to having controls of on on the Fujis than there are on the Nike on the Olympus, from what I understand.
1: So uh, exposure compensation, those kind of very practical things.
0: Well, yeah, you can get to those, but it's always it's almost like having to hold the function key down to do things. You know, it's Mm. a little it's a little a little more abstracted, I think, than when I look at the Fujis. I it's like oh, I could look at this and tell what I should do. Where I've learned to do it on the Olympus, um, I, I think if I were going into the mirrorless uh, category, I would probably look at Fuji first. But because I'm still not a fan of Canon just because of the giant size of them. But uh, th- there's a lot of great options out there now. So again, I know it's not a gear show. No, no. But
1: I guess one of the interesting things though, is so one of the things I said that was I liked about the idea of the mirrorless future is that you have this option of going Micro Four Thirds, which means that your lens choice isn't even the old Nikon or Canon. It's Micro Four Thirds, which spans many brands.
0: Well, right, right. So I don't know which ones are Micro Four Thirds. I just know that's... I think I didn't buy Sony because it wasn't Micro, micro Four Thirds, so you had to buy things from San, from Sony. Um, but I liked that I could buy third-party lenses that didn't. I didn't have to sell my last remaining kidney to to, to buy. So... <laughs> Um, and the Micro Four Thirds lenses are really small. The other nice thing is the crop factor is is real easy. It's it's two or point five, whichever. Oh, good, we say
1: it. good, good, good. That's so one fifty on is three
0: hundred. Yeah, that point six oh. uh, always drove me nuts. <laughs> Which, in
1: fairness, that was the one thing Canon nuts always said. Look, at least I don't have to divide by point six. Yeah, but your camera
0: still <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Well, we don't want to offend the Canon users, though, because there there's a lot of people who take great pictures, Stephen gets So yeah,
1: uh, I did, Look, at the end of the day, the, the reason this isn't a gear show is because as far as I'm concerned, 99% of cameras are better than 99% of photographers. So people take amazing pictures <laughs> with everything.
0: Heck, people take amazing and,
1: pictures and, with like pinholes.
0: Well, yeah, but I but I also want to say that uh, 99% of my iPhone photography is better than my mirrorless photography. And I oh. will get into that. <laughs>
1: Now, is that because it's an opportunity thing? You are simply your iPhone is with you so often that so many opportunities. No,
0: I'm just really bad at it. But huh. but uh, let let me walk forward in, uh, a little bit into this to to explain to people why where I came from. So yeah. I I got these fancy pants cameras. I had my Minolta X700, my Nikon D40, and then I met Bart or it got to know Bart, and I I flew to Ireland, and Bart said, "So you've got the dial on P, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> P is not for positions. You can put it on other things. And and I remember distinctly standing on a bridge, waiting for a train, and you telling me to turn it to to a, for aperture. And you told me that was it your grandfather that said, uh, oh something about eight is always great or something like that. No, it's it's F8. an old
1: photography adage of f eight and be there. You know what's the secret to a great photo? F eight and be there.
0: No, but you said something like F8 is great, and it was from your dad or gra- your grandfather, and and uh, there was something else about the the sun being on your back, not on your face.
1: But that that one, that was from my dad. My dad is like, okay. I, was, I feel okay. the sun on the back of, of your head, you're grand. You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's when I first started to use Aperture Priority and really started to have fun with that. Um, but I think that while I intellectually understand especially from learning from you and let's talk photography and shout out to all of the solo episodes you did explaining the, the tripod that, that (laughs) I could listen to that once a a month and I'd keep getting something out of it. But to understand that the, the three pieces that really make this all work together, I understand that intellectually and I can execute it in the moment. I rarely do it correctly. I was taking photographs of of a waterfall and I just kept not getting what I wanted. And I I was going back and forth. I was, I was trying to do shutter priority. I was trying to do, uh, I was changing the aperture. I was changing the white balance. And Steve says, what's your ISO set to? There's three, there's three, Allison. So it doesn't matter how much I know it. If I don't think of it when it's not working, it isn't useful information for my brain. And I was I was really that was really sad because Steve has never used a DSLR or an SLR in his life, but he's listened to it. and He knows it and he so thinks of it at the right time. He has all the theory, but uh, well, I mean, you know, you always- well, I have the theory, but he under- he sees when to apply it practically in that situation. And, and it's like, how could I have not have thought of that? Well, it had been a long time. I had to definitely blow a lot of dust off the camera. Uh, so maybe we could put it down to that.
1: I, well, look, uh, one of the secrets to, to being good with the camera is practice, 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 right? I think it was Henri Cartier-Bresson felt that the camera should become you. That you shouldn't be thinking about the camera. You should just be thinking about the photograph. And he used to shoot with um, a 35mm camera without even looking through the viewfinder. He would just be walking through Paris and just snapping photographs from his chest. like, And he would get these amazing photographs because the camera was just an extension of him. And that wasn't the days of manual focusing. He would just... No, mm. which, given that he was working on a film and we couldn't see the results until he got home and developed them, is kind of amazing. He must have wasted a lot of celluloid before he got that good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, so perhaps disuse for so long is is part of the problem. Uh, a couple of thoughts back when when I had my first SLR and and then later on my DSLR first DSLR. One of the things I really liked was I was the photographer. You know, when people would get together, when we'd go out sightseeing, I was the one who took did the photos. And then uh, Steve got a video camera and started doing a lot of video when we'd be on trips. And so it was a nice split of the responsibilities. But then as the cell phone cameras came in, I remember standing between two tree with two trees in front of me, trying to get the exact framing I wanted of a Lake with the sun going down on it beautifully. And Steve stepped directly in front of me and took the same photo with his cell phone. Now that might've been a little bit of a point of contention between the two of us that he never saw me there, obviously, but he didn't do it intentionally. But I of course attributed it to malice, but, uh, uh, that's when I just started to notice is I would go to take photos and someone would be would walk up and take the same photo, the exact same photo. Like, oh, you took it there. It must be a good place to take it. I'll go take it to there. Yeah, and, you have a then, big
1: camera. I have a phone. I must copy you and I will get a good photo.
0: Maybe. But but then it's now you go someplace and you know, we went and saw a geyser. I took photos of the people taking photos of the geyser because it was more interesting than the geyser itself because it was a whole crowd of people. Nobody looking at the geyser, except maybe you'll see a child watching the geyser getting a big kick out of it. Yeah. Everyone else needs to capture that thing. Yeah. And so when I go on trips now, I take far fewer photos than I ever did before because I figure, all right, well, everybody else is going to take it.
1: But you know, basically, I would always say take the one that no one else is. And I, I love your mentioning there of taking the picture of people taking the picture. One of my mm. favourite railway photographers in the UK goes after all the big steam trains and everyone else would literally bring around step ladders and things to try to get a completely on you know, a postcard photograph where you just see the steam train and nothing else. And he just steps back 100 metres and takes a picture of the circus. You still have the steam train <laughs> and all of the stuff and the steam train with its fan club. And they are much they tell the story of modern Steam way better than any of those postcards do. And they all look the yeah. same, right? So There's like fifty of those guys came home with the same picture, and he came home with an with an actual picture that actually captures something.
0: Right, right. Another thing I did uh that changed the way I do photography is I left Facebook. I didn't leave Facebook for this reason, but one of the byproducts is I, I started noticing that whenever I went to take I, I was looking at something beautiful my brain would think that's a nice shot. How, what, what caption would I put on that photo for Facebook? And it just, it just felt wrong. You know, that, that the whole purpose of taking a photo of seeing something cool was because you could post it on Facebook and, and, you know, would that get a lot of lift? Would I get a lot of likes on that? And that just really bothered me.
1: That's, that's interesting.
0: So, to, to bring us back, so we we all
1: took a, an enforced holiday from or an enforced holiday from holidays. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's not quite how I meant to say it, but anyway. Um, and then you were going to Iceland, and you decided to pack your bigger camera. So I guess the first question is: when you're going on a trip like that with the Micro Four Thirds, the camera
0: body obviously comes along. What else comes along? Is it one lens? Is it a few? I've in the past I've always traveled with the three lenses that I have. I've got a real nice macro lens, and I've got a, a portrait lens, and I've got what is essentially a a, a um, super zoom twenty eight to three hundred. Yeah, super in, zoom. In, in I love those. A, a, a fourteen to one fifty, right? But w- it's a twenty to two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. See, then multiply by two is real handy. And um, but to be honest, with macro on my phone, don't need to carry the macro lens. Um, I wasn't going with, sorry. How close is the telephoto
1: focus? Because some of those, uh, super zooms will do macro extremely well.
0: Um, well, but I, I still wouldn't use it for that because I've got my phone. Okay. Okay. Well, with the 300 millimeters, you can
1: get a macro of things without getting quite as close.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but I wasn't real. I, I did take some macro shots. Um, as I've looked through them, none of them made me go, wow, I'd like to spend a bunch of time really working on that photo because it's amazing. I, there were all these really cool little yellow flowers. I've got a few that I probably should go through and do something with, but I took shots like that and I, I don't know, they don't, they don't blow my dress up enough to spend a lot of time with them yet anyway. okay. Um, so I didn't bring them at that. And well, makes sense.
1: I was going to say, so the macro lens might end up on eBay or whatever its equivalent
0: is these days. No, I'll probably just keep it because I'm <laughs> not good at selling things. I get emotionally attached to my stuff. Um, but I, I'm just saying I didn't bring it on yeah. that trip. That doesn't mean I would never. I've taken a lot of really cool macro shots around my neighborhood of flowers and stuff. I like toting oh, cool. it around. It's it just well, on my walks. But packing something to fly halfway across around the world, I didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. The other the other lens is a portrait lens, and I really like it for portrait photography. But I wasn't traveling with people that I would probably take portraits of. Right. And it's not, and I've got portrait mode on my phone, right? Fair. Yeah. So the the one thing I I know is that on the big trips I tend to want to see things close up that are far away, yes. and on the uh, on the trip we got a chance to see puffin. And they're just these adorable birds with these very colourful beaks. They look like cartoons. They look like like you should, it's a stuffed animal sitting out on the edge of the uh, cliff. So, so,
1: so here here in the British Isles, there's a publishing company for children's books called Puffin. Nah. And so <laughs> I always assumed they were fake. I assumed they were cartoon birds because they
0: were on all of my children's books.
1: But oh, they really so look funny. like that. <laughs>
0: They really do. They really do. The the sad part is the Icelandic people eat them too. They're on the menu in restaurants. One of the guides said, what's that? So are little cuddly lambs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're big on lamb. Yeah. But the guys, one of the guides said, we love our puffin. We love to eat our puffin, but we also love them. (laughs) Okay. That's great. I like duck. Yeah. So I don't know. There's something about how, I don't know why we psychologically, like if an animal is cute, you shouldn't eat it. That that's that that's the, that's the that bar. Is, yeah, that is. Sorry, infrared. you're ugly. You get to be eaten. <laughs> yeah, it's kind
1: of what we do, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: But so, uh, I was rewarded with that. We found puffin on the on the side of a cliff, and I got uh, I dropped a, a photo in our shared folder um, of of a puffin close up that I'm really pleased with.
1: Well, I know it was it yourself and Steve were like, what? What's the funny thing on their face? And then it's like, oh no, that's that they're like fish. Well, let me that's let me dinner. describe.
0: Ah, sorry, I was going to describe it first. Yeah, that's okay. from a distance, they looked like they some of them had beards, and they had this gray beard uh, hanging down, and not all of them just some of them. Really? And then when I took this photo through, through with the uh, three hundred millimeter zoom, we realized it's a whole bunch of little fish, and that became the big mystery is how do you get that many fish in your mouth at once, and why are you just standing there with it? Like do they scoop them all up at once? It, like they go through a school of them and get eight? We're not really sure. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, tales
1: in that photograph. The, the, assuming I have your permission, I will pop these into the show notes.
0: Yeah, uh, I might want to give you, well, let, let's talk about that in a minute, because I do have some thoughts on the, on the, the photo itself. But um, uh, by the way, the puffin would stand on the cliff until there were no predators around and then suddenly disappear into a little hole in the cliff to feed their young.
1: Oh, so you think he's standing there looking, is the coast clear? Is the coast clear? Is the coast clear? And now feed my babies.
0: Right, that's what that's what we think. He or she uh-huh. don't didn't know which were which. At first, we thought they were the males because they had the beards, but.
1: In <laughs> <laughs> the animal kingdom, I'm bit... not sure it works like that. But yeah, I like your logic.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, usually the more interesting looking ones are the males, so. Yeah, because they're right, the ones they... vying for, choose me, choose me, look at me show off. Exactly. Um, But here's the thing, Bart. I use uh, Apple Photos for my photos. My phone takes great pictures. I bring in the photos and I edit them in in Apple Photos. Um, It does such a terrific job of often making photos look better than real life look. Personally, I think my photos of sunsets are better than the sunsets look themselves in general. Um, But if I take a, a raw photo and I just bring it into Apple Photos, they look really flat. The uh, the the puffin photo. I'd like to give you the original raw photo and have you make that look really good because it still doesn't look great. That's my best shot edited to the best of my skills within photos, and it's kind of gray and flat. And I think there's probably a lot more you could do with it in a uh, in a in a in a big girl uh, editor. Um, I mean, that and, is the I, downside of raw, right? If you're basically telling the
1: camera, "I just want you to capture the data, and I'll take it from there." Uh, which right. means you get handed effectively. It's like neutral. It's it's like it's like a mic that doesn't do any pre processing. It just gives you everything and says, "Well, you know what you're doing, right?"
0: Right, and you have to go get the equalizer and figure it out. But yeah. uh, I I don't spend enough time doing it. Um, I use Affinity Photo, but the the workflow process is I would have to go through this giant folder of photos one by one to figure out which ones are worthy of of working with. But I have to open up raw photos in what preview to look at them and then decide which ones I want to bring into Affinity Photo and then spend time editing them in there where I can just stick in the, the camera card, import everything into photos, look at what I want and then do some editing there and I'm done. So I can go in to the develop menu of Affinity Photo from within photos hmm. as an extension. Uh, but I get in there and I just, I drag some sliders around Bart and I'm like, I don't know, it still looks poopy. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not good at it. You know, and and I get back to, I remember going to a a wine tasting in Temecula and I had my big girl camera with me and I, this has got to be like an iPhone four. I mean, this is way back. This is, I don't know, the people got married. The kids are like nine years old. So it's it's quite a while back. And I tried (laughs) for 10 minutes to take a photo of this beautiful wine glass with some red wine and get a nice fuzzy look in the background of the winery. And I thought this would look really great. And I finally, I I set it down, I grabbed my phone and I went click and it was perfect. It was exactly what I wanted. And I think that was the day that I was just like, well, this is over. You know, it it just, I like the lack of work and coming out with amazing photos straight out of the phone.
1: Well, as someone who shoots... Almost exclusively on a phone. I'm not going to argue with you in the slightest. It's yeah. kind of magical.
0: Yeah. And so that gets me to thinking maybe the the answer for someone like me is to use raw on the iPhone to get that extra control that I would like to have. I'd like to be able to bring back blown highlights, for example. That's yeah. a classic problem, right? That would be a great way to do it. And Apple, I think. If but I've never figured out a really good maybe you could do a do a class for us on this on how to edit raw photos or or what what kind of process you would go through if you took raw photos on a phone from the native uh, phone app and then what do, what can you do in photos or to to edit it or well what, what that is of literally in the hand.
1: works Allison, because oh, I good. have enabled raw on my iPhone about a month ago and I mm-hmm. am getting my finding my feet. Um, oh, good. I have mixed experience at the moment, but I'm going to put that down to operator trouble for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, should, so basically, I, w- I want to spend a bit more time getting a bit more comfortable before I express an opinion. But that is definitely on the menu because that is, I'm proactively playing with RAW on the iPhone at the moment.
0: So, my understanding is that there's a mode, and I, this is remembering it from an announcement, not having actually played with it, that there's a mode where you can take a RAW photo. But Apple gives you their best shot at it too, so you sort yes. of get the best of both worlds. And they call so it so instead pro of where raw. I'm starting. Yeah. That's so what the pro. Some means. of the phones have that. Okay. Yeah. So
1: basically, if the Apple built-in camera app can do raw, then you have Apple's Pro Raw. If the only way you can get raw is from a third-party camera app, then you have old-fashioned raw, which is basically. Okay, fine. Here's what the sensor saw. It's full of noise and stuff. But here you go, third party app. You do the magic instead of Apple. Whereas with oh, that Pro explains raw, why
0: that never worked for me either.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's not good because that's all of the, that's like raw on your bigger camera only on a really noisy camera. Because you don't realize oh, how terrible oh. the camera on the iPhone is without Apple's image signal processing.
0: Okay, the sensor.
1: Yeah, like the the raw sensor is terrible because it's tiny. That's physics. And Apple compensate for that terribleness with amazing AI and amazing software and an amazing image processing chip. But if you say, give me the raw data from the sensor, well, now that's your problem. <laughs> you now have all yeah. of this dirty data that you have to deal with. And if you think you're better than Apple, have at it. And there are some third party camera apps that do really amazing things, Um. Know, was at Halide, I think, they have their own RAW processor that does amazing things with those very dirty RAW images that come out of iPhone sensors. So they do good stuff with that RAW, but that's them reinventing Apple's wheel. Whereas if you just stick in the iPhone camera, sorry, in the native camera app, the only RAW you get is Apple's polished version of RAW, which is basically all of the advantages of Apple's image processing, but it just doesn't throw away the extra data at the end. So you still get to keep the extra dynamic range in your back pocket and you obviously pay for it with bigger file sizes. So you don't lose anything and you gain the ability to recover way more. When you, start, when you click the auto button, it can do so much better job
0: because it just has hmm. more data to play with. By the way, uh, Halide does have ProRAW support now. Yeah, a lot of them now do both.
1: But so with right. Halide, you could have a phone that doesn't support ProRAW and still do RAW.
0: Okay, okay, so the best both it's something for everybody, I guess. It's something you know, everybody. for
1: everybody. And they had RAW before Apple get invented ProRAW because the API to let you just get at the sensor data is older than ProRAW, which is very, I can't remember if it's one year old or two years old, but it's quite recent.
0: Okay, yeah, it feels like a year and a half, we'll go with.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're getting close to the next iPhone event, so getting close to two years. Yeah,
0: yeah, right, right, it probably is. Right so now, you,
1: I, I have some family engagements, tomorrow, so I, I have I'm on a clock, which is really annoying because I like talking to you. Um, but I want to bring us back to your trip to Iceland, right? So you you used to be a big travelly person, and mm-hmm. your your Nikon's went literally around the world. I mean, really? if you've been to New Zealand and you've been to India and you live in America, I think that counts. I think you've done the full yeah, trip.
0: We have done it.
1: <laughs> so you have a lot of experience carrying around an SLR camera. In far flung places and going away for a long time, and now you've repeated that sort of a process by going on a trip around Iceland. So, what's the biggest difference to you in those two experiences? Comparing at what a D forty, say your old your old Nikon world oh. to the mirrorless world, because
0: that's the transition that's ahead of lots of people, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. That, that's funny you would ask it that way because I've been on a mirrorless camera for so long it's the mirrorless camera that went to New Zealand and okay went, so further back in time. <laughs> yeah yeah you'd have to go further farther back or further back but um it, the big thing is size you know size and weight is to me the a mirrorless camera made it a camera that I would carry with me everywhere um well, actually a, can I ask
1: you a very specific question because no. for me right that lens you described the, the 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 effective focal length of 28 to 300 so the 14 150. Mm-hmm in real mm. millimeters. That's the equivalent of what I use on my Nikon when I travel, right? So I can't remember what mm-hmm. the millimeters are on the Nikon, but it comes out at the same thing. It's your wide angle all the way to big telephoto. And okay. it's heavy and big and I tolerate it because it can be the only lens, but it's it's like it's a it's a beast. Whereas okay. your your not is it?
0: You want to ask me how big it is? <laughs> well, like, is, it a,
1: uh, is it a big, heavy, clunky thing, or does it feel like a normal lens on a Nikon? Only it does this amazing super zoom.
0: No, it feels much smaller than a, any no, a normal lens. So, oh, Jesus. at at full length, I'd say it's maybe ten to twelve millimeters long. What? That's and what sort of magic maybe, is this? <laughs> and maybe five or six millimeters in diameter. If you let me set my headphones down real quick, I can I can grab it. It's, oh, yeah, it's I'm right, dead curious right, right now. Yeah, me. go for it. Okay, you entertain the audience <laughs> while I run and grab it. Hang on a
1: second. <laughs> ah, the joys of Yeah, we record on video, by the way, dear audience. Um so that we can see each other and not step on each other, which is really, really handy. It's a pro podcasting tip for everyone. Um but I'm really keen to see this because this this is very much the future I'm hoping for.
0: All right. Okay, so. so so we'll uh We'll uh, actually measure this. I'm about to light about the diameter. So uh, contracted, it is Have nine a, and a
1: half. That looks like yes. the kit lens that comes with a normal DSLR. That is not bigger than the kit lens. And that is a super zoom. That is amazing.
0: Okay. So there it is fully extended. And it is. so the, what did I just say it was? So for the audio audience, uh, like seven and a half millimeters in diameter and full length you're oh, I like millimeters, it's
1: but you mean centimeters, don't you?
0: Centimeters, sorry. Well, hey, I'm doing it in your metric stuff. That is fair. That Give is you, very. Throw me a bone here. All right, and 15, 15 centimeters long, at three hundred millimeters. It, so, and and it, it doesn't just, weigh anything.
1: What strikes me is that it looks just like the the kit lens that came with our D40s, like in terms of its size. It does not look like a super zoom. It just looks like a lens. That's extremely impressive.
0: Yeah, they're 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 little. I mean, I'm going to hold up just for Bart the uh, portrait lens. This Aww. thing weighs like grams, and it is uh, let's see, it is seven millimeters long and five, six centimeters in diameter. Yeah. So they're 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 little.
1: I don't that is have a big difference. On this,
0: but I bet I can come up with it. Yeah. So if I carried a uh, a little hiking backpack with me. And I made that be my purse. So as a, as a woman, uh, generally, I have a purse and a camera slung over my arm, and that's kind of a pain. So yeah. I abandoned my purse for the trip and just used a, a small backpack, and I could throw a jacket and this camera with this giant lens on it, right? And uh, and you know, uh, a hat. <laughs> was go, you know? <laughs> there wasn't that much I had. You know, raincoat, and that was Energy about bar. it that I had with me. Very- yeah, maybe. Except I was on a small cruise ship and they feed you every three and a half minutes, so Ah, okay, no danger of that then. But yeah, no, no. Um, I want to look up the weight on this though. Uh, But I can see the way
1: you're you're holding it. That is like that is clearly nothing like if I was holding my super zoom. Like I would not be flinging it around wildly because I'd break my wrist. It it, it is a very, very different experience, which is kind of interesting. Now, when I recorded my last show about it, one of the comments from listeners was, yeah, Bart, but those electronic viewfinders are awful. I'm going to really miss those when I switch away from a DSLR. So are you constantly cranky at the electronic viewfinder?
0: Oh, not at all. No, 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 no. That's over. Uh, Real quickly, 28 kilo, wait. Kilograms? I mean, no, kilogram? I don't think so. No, 0. 63, 0. 6, 0. 0.63 pounds. Okay, so just move the decimal point over a couple. That did not, even I knew that one, right. 0. 0.28. So a third of a kilogram is so the weight of the big one? 200 lens. and a bit grams. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's basically a, a, a quarter bag of sugar.
0: Right. So yeah, yeah, really like yeah. No, the, the the electronic viewfinders are fine. There's no issue at all on that. Um, I don't actually tend to use the viewfinder on the back when I'm t- the the big viewfinder on the back when I'm taking photos. I tend to use the uh, the electronic viewfinder. Yeah. The the one problem of it is. Um, I I use the the big viewfinder for showing photos. So if I tell somebody, "Hey, look at right. this cool shot I got. What, what do you think of that?" uh if they cover the viewfinder at all, it electronically shuts off the big viewfinder. So if oh, they try to cover so the sun, yourself. they try to shade the sun, they 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 put their hand yeah. over it, it it'll shut the other one off and that's a that's a classic problem with but it. But that's probably more model specific. It's also Um, a
1: good feature, right? Because if it didn't turn that big screen off and you stuck your eye up to the little viewfinder, you'd be blinding yourself with your own camera.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be really, and and a lot of energy waste as well, I would think. And
1: that too, right? Your battery life would would be terrible for no reason. So yeah, that that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, I'm able to do HDR photography with this where you can tell it you want to take three or five shots and it'll combine them. Um, I've played around Mm. with that a little bit before I got my iPhone, which did a better job of it. But uh, So it will just take do the bracketing.
1: It will also do the merging.
0: Yeah, yeah, it oh, does cool. it all together. So I, I used that that camera when I was in uh, in France when I went to Pat Dengler's house in Lyon, Ooh. and we I remember we went into the church her parents went to when the, she was a little kid, and uh, I was able to get some cool photos in there. But using that camera.
1: And I guess the other question I have, because the other thing I know we do not have in DSLR world is the ability to do a long exposure shot and to watch it come into being on the back of the
0: camera. I've done Star Trails doing that, and that's that's pretty cool to be able to watch that. Um, I'm not patient enough for it, but we've, uh, we went to an observatory, uh, in Southern California here where we were able to, uh, you know, find the Northern star and point at it. And I was a, I read up on how to do it and I did successfully get a pretty cool star trail. So that was, that was pretty fun. You know, the, the s- semicircles around the North star, that was fun. Well, you see, one of the biggest problems when you're doing it without being
1: able to see what's happening, is that you don't, like, if you expose too long, the sky basically blows out and it doesn't look like Star Trails anymore. The sky goes blue and the stars get washed away. And so you've achieved nothing. And if you go too short, they're just streaky spots. They're It looks like you didn't mean it, right? They're not nice, big arcs. They're just, <laughs> and it's really hard to guess what it will be. So you you do it for 10 minutes, which is a long time in the cold. And mm-hmm. then you let the shutter close and then you look on the back of the phone and it, or the camera and it's terrible. Whereas you never have okay. that because, you know, when to stop.
0: Yeah, I, I or when to continue, remember, I, I don't I don't know that I was able to watch it when I was doing the star trails. And why was that? Like, I know I've done it uh, trying to, like, get cars streaking down mm. a highway sort of thing. And that's been kind of fun. And, and those I've watched. But I'm trying to think there's some reason there because there's a couple of different modes. You can go to Bulb. Right. Yeah, bulb, bulb modes, mode. What I would think, but yeah. then you can go to just infinite where where you can or is bulb an infinite? Bulb I'm, is infinite. I haven't yet. done it a long time. I haven't done this in a real long time. Uh so I'm having trouble remembering the terminology. Um but yeah, I mean I can do full manual control. I can do um I can have focus peak uh, focus peaking. So oh, nice. trying to take a picture of the moon, for example, you're like, I don't know, is that in focus? The, the one thing that drives me crazy about this lens, and I understand it's not unique to this lens, is there's no infinity. I can't dial to infinity and go, OK, I'm at infinity now, because it just keeps going.
1: It, <laughs> you it, know, you a different kind it of infinity, but not the one you want.
0: <laughs> right, right. So getting that that final focus on it is is tough. Uh, right. Trying to focus on the moon. I have yet to get a good moon shot and i feel like i should be able to and uh, we were talking earlier about in software i always assume it's me i assume it's me in this case too but i don't know i uh, i have never gotten a shot that i went yes that's the shot i was trying to get
1: well it's it's not just like uh, i had to spend a long time finding lenses with hard, which still have distance dials on them because even in nikon world most of the lenses don't have that i had to go to sigma lenses to get my infinity Hmm. like my actual interesting hardware this is dialed to one meter two meter three meter infinity it was
0: very very few lenses
1: still do that very few
0: okay okay so maybe that isn't what it is that isn't the big deal Um, Uh,
1: yeah it's basically it's, it's a problem that's in dslr world too um so far, it sounds to me like it's advantage, advantage, advantage. Is there, is there, do you ever find yourself going, oh gosh, I wish I had my old camera instead of this shiny
0: new camera? Not once, not once, not one, Phew. not for one little minute going from, but remember, I don't exercise it quite as much as you do, but uh, I, to me, back to the, the camera you'll use is the, or the best cameras, the one you have with you. I was much more willing to carry this around. The, right. I don't like anything heavy. I mean, I, I've consolidated my wallet into, to a sliver. <laughs> I don't, I, I carry like four credit cards, my driver's license, health insurance card. And actually, no, it's two, two credit cards, driver's license card, my, uh, um, a $20 bill in my Tesla card for my key <laughs> card, and that's it. So I don't have a traditional woman's purse. I I can't stand weight. I go through my purse once a week and take every slip of paper out, like a receipt that fell in. I'll take it out just because of the weight. So weight to me was the number one thing, and having this camera that was so light and so easy to carry around – that now I consider huge because I'm used to the phone. Uh, is, it's is funny how things
1: change, isn't it? Because the camera hasn't changed. It's just your opinion of it has changed from this is a tiny camera to oh, this is quite big.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, again, not carrying a lot of lenses has been kind of nice, but uh, uh, to be able to pick and choose. So the other two pretty much stay at home and I use them on walks and things.
1: Cool. Well, as a little peek into the future people were apprehensive about, I don't sound scared. This sounds like a perfectly <laughs> good, fine good. future. So i I think my was it you know I'm kind of emotionally sorry to see the end of the SLR, but I, I yeah. I'm relieved to still believe that it's just not an issue.
0: I, I really don't think it is. And remember, um, all of my experience was back when there weren't a lot of choices, and there are right. more now. Um, the the opportunities are only only bigger. I w- I would definitely stick with your theory of I want to buy a camera where I can buy lenses from other people, like Sigma uh because you're going to get you're going to get a better deal this uh uh, 14 to 150 is like 650 bucks still for sale i've owned it for years still for sale at the same price i mean that's Uh, a very reasonable price for lens
1: of that uh of that ability i mean that to be honest i'm pretty sure that's what i paid for my my sigma equivalent for the for the nikon
0: and and this is from olympus so that's not a I think I had a Sigma version of it, which was uh, – it may have failed on me, but I wouldn't you know, blame it for that failure. It's, it's probably me. <laughs> I always assume it's me. Well, I also- my challenge back to you, Bart, is to take the photograph I gave you of the puffin and uh, the waterfall, which I did my very best to make look good. And I think they, they still – the waterfall in particular looks flat and poopy. Uh, and I would like you to – actually, here's my new plan. I've got okay. it. I'm going to take amazing pictures in amazing places. and I'm going to send them to people like you and Stephen Getz and Alistair Jenks and you guys just fix them for me. Just going make say, them look you're cool. going to
1: make us have a competition. So we do your photo editing and we think it's a game.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I <laughs> end up with great photos in return because they're not great the way I've, uh, with the editing I've done. I know they, I know the contents there. I just know that I'm not the right one to do the editing.
1: Well, I will, ha- I will have a go. It will not be this evening, but I will have a go and, uh, The listeners, of course, won't know because time travel, wibbly wobbly, yadda yadda. Anyway, um, Alison, thank you very much for this conversation. It was as much fun as I had hoped it would be. Uh, For the one or two people who listen to me, but not to you, I don't know who they are. I'm sure some of them exist.
0: Do you want to let them know where you can be found on the internet? The best place to go is everything the Good starts with podfeet.com. And that's where you can find uh, the No Silicast, where Bart has a segment every other week on security bits. And you can find Programming by Stealth there with Bart Bouchotts and uh, sometimes Chit Chat Across the Pond Light with Bart, but lots of times with other people. And, uh, of course, our a series Taming the Terminal, which is also available in book form in Apple Books and elsewhere. Indeed,
1: and I think most importantly, you have an amazing community. So when you listen to the Naxalacastaway, or sorry, the Cast, you get an amazing array of content contributed by the audience. The yeah, by the audience who have become a community. And so uh, you know, people should listen to the show, enjoy the show, and then join the Slack or the Facebook, wherever else you are as well.
0: No, no, no. Not oh right you got rid of, of that. Facebook. Okay. I, well, it's there. I but I left. So <laughs> you left. <laughs> The lights are still on. No, there might still be
1: somebody there, but you're not. That's great. No, the Slack is amazing. And it's just, you have such a great community collected. So if anyone isn't a member of the community, definitely, you know, podfeet.com forward slash Slack. I definitely want to give that a plug. There you go. And even you're in there. Sometimes. I do. If I show my head anywhere on social media, that's where you'll find me. I don't don't do it a lot, but that's where I will be. Anyway, until (laughs) next time, everyone. Happy snapping. So Bart here in a solo recording afterwards, I kind of had so much fun chatting with Alison that I may have forgotten to do the usual plugs at the end of the show. Firstly, a big thank you to everyone who supports the show. This is a listener-supported show. There are no ads, there are no sponsors. It exists for one reason and one reason only, because you guys in the community rock. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you'd like to join the wonderful community of people supporting the show, you can go to less where there's a whole pile of big blue buttons labeled Support the Show, which will give you all your different options for helping out. Um, and of course, you can help the show greatly simply by spreading the word. Just tweet about it, Facebook about it, whatever other social media you use. Tell your friends about it in person. Actual human beings in the flesh. It all really helps. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who does. Okay, I've been your host Bart Bushutz. You can find me at bartb.ie. Till next time. I'll be snapping.
0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? The Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh Networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Pacelli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews always welcome. (laughs) We'll <laughs>